Well, welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, it is a very unique one as uh, our guest Chelsea Matthew and I figure out we have more connection than we thought we did um, in getting into this. But really, it is a powerful episode talking about the impact athletic trainers can have beyond athletics, sports, and activity, and really um, just with the people that we interact with on a daily basis in some of our settings. So it is a very good episode with a lot of depth there and really highlights some of the things that our profession does. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please consider checking them out, whether it's ankle braces, knee braces, anything you need off the shelf, tape, whatnot. Mueller is worth a look. Great products. Fair pricing. Um, we truly appreciate everything they do for us and the athletic training profession. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode. of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Chelsea Matthew, who is a in-athletic trainer out in California. Uh, we were just catching up on what the world looks like for both of us um, in the world that we currently live in. Uh, but we got connected kind of very randomly, I guess. Um, a former student athlete of yours that's a future, hopefully, athletic training student for us or somewhere else. Um, and then I had been meaning to reach out, which I had done a horrible job of doing. But then... Okay. Just happened to see something on Twitter and I was like, I know who that is without actually have never, <laughs> having never met them. So um, we, we wanted to connect up and get this going. Uh, we are going to be talking about um, the athletic trainer's impact and how that can go just beyond athletics. That's kind of our broad topic with a lot of different things that we'll get into here shortly. But with that, I wanted to turn it over to Chelsea to give a little bit more background information on herself and then we'll get going from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my name is Chelsea. I am, I've been certified athletic trainer since 2010. Um, got my bachelor's degree in athletic training from Northern Michigan University up in the UP of Michigan. Um, and then I did my master's degree at East Strasburg University, which is the northeastern corner of Pennsylvania, about an hour north of like Bethlehem, Allentown area. Um, and so while I was there, I was a grad assistant athletic trainer at Lehigh Valley Charter High School for the Arts. Um, so I worked strictly with uh, high school dancers, um, which was awesome. It was a really cool experience and um, something I since have never done since. Um, but if I could, I would go back. It's just a great, great environment. Um, did my thesis on Irish step dancing, which was kind of a cool um, little niche. Um, and then, um, after that for seven years, I was at, um, a hospital system in Southeastern Wisconsin, um, outreach. So I worked at Union Grove high school for seven years. Um, that was my primary role. And then we had a whole bunch of different, um, other contracts. So for a while I was a strength and conditioning coach for UW Parkside softball. Um, for two years, I was a physician extender. Um, I did ergonomic evaluations for employees at Northwest Mutual Life Insurance in Milwaukee. Um, I did uh, senior exercise classes. I instructed those. So I did a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, and then now I'm at um, 
Piner High School in Santa Rosa, California, which is about an hour north of, hour and a half north of San Francisco. Um, and I am also a co-athletic director there. Um, brand new in my role this year with that, which is again a huge learning curve, but it's awesome. It's another way to kind of get me involved in athletics at the high school level. Um, and yeah, now I'm now I'm here. Just out of curiosity, going from the UP in Wisconsin out to California, it just happened to work out that way, or? Uh, yeah. So. Um, me and my fiance have been going out here. I don't know. He's been going out here since like early 2000 or early 2010s. Um, and we went out here twice um, just in this area for vacation, like two or three years ago. And okay. I fell in love with it. He loved, obviously has loved this area for a long time. Um, and we were both kind of at the, I don't know, like not tail end, but we were kind of reaching a, a point at our previous jobs where it was like we were like growing like horizontally. There's no real like vertical stuff. So it's like, let's try something else. Um, and they both jobs, it was just, it was like serendipitous. Like both jobs kind of opened up at the same time and we're like, yep, this is it. We're going. So nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. That works out. Yeah. So athletic training, you know, we've had this conversation with a lot of people, you know, we do so many things and it really, you know, it depends on the setting, but especially in the high school, you know, and I would even argue in college, you know, depending where you're at, you know, A, we have to have a skill set um, that crosses everything. Um, but those relationships that get built are, I think, really unique um, to about any healthcare um role that I can think of because of our interaction that we get to have day to day with our patients and, you know, athletes, however we want to define that. Um, how have you gone about creating a, you know, a better connection? I don't know if better is the right word, but maybe a deeper connection with athletes um, as it extends beyond and you still, as the, you know, this kind of got started because you have a um, group chat that's called quote unquote Chelsea's children um you know that yeah. is still continued on to this day you know yeah. several years after it got initiated mm -hmm. yeah um so I use again sports just in general as that bridge um or the you know common denominator into those deeper conversations so um I learned kind of right away um and I'm not even sure where I learned this from or who what I observed it from but I think just like coaching um uh observing different coaches and coaching techniques, um, you know, there was a, a better connection with uh, the, the athletes if the coach could walk the walk, you know, rather than just like talking the talk and saying, you got to do this. But if the coach could actually like say, you know, actually demonstrate what he wanted the athletes, he or she um, one of the athletes to do, then there was a better, you know, better connection, better trust, all that. So I incorporated that right away into my practice, you know, um, doing actually doing the demonstrating the rehab exercises with them or doing it with them. Um, I would get into the weight room in the mornings. Um, we would have like early morning lifts before school started from like uh, six to eight, something like that in the morning. Um, and so I'd get in there and I'd see athletes, um, me working out, them working out, you know, um, designing like functional drills, functional rehab um, for athletes that are super close to return, returning to play, you know, from a long-term injury or things like that. Um, that just, again, bridged, 
bridge that connection, kind of forge that trust saying, okay, she actually knows what she's talking about. She's, you know, she's passionate and she cares about it. Um, so after getting that, um, most of these deeper conversations seem to always revolve and center around relationships, right? So um, either with uh, the athletes themselves, um, with their teachers, a lot of it has to do with significant others. So boy mm-hmm. issues, girl issues, things like that. Um, parents and familial situations. Um, so as a high school athletic trainer, um, it's, a, it's a pretty unique role because, you know, and even I think just in general, even for collegiate athletics as well, it's like you're not, you're not a coach, you're not a teacher, you're not their parent, you're kind of this like mix, um, mix of things. So I kind of view myself as like, I don't know, a big sister or an aunt or something like that. Um, but you know, you're this, you're this adult role in these athletes lives that, um, is kind of a neutral source, but you know, you're also somebody who's going to keep them accountable, keep them honest, um, but also maybe have a little more of a empathetic view towards things because you see multiple things because you're you're viewing their coach you're seeing their teachers you're seeing how the parent interacts with them and you kind of get this whole picture which i i love like i personally love that Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i value the most about being an athletic trainer so um one thing that you had kind of put in uh that you had created and this was back in wisconsin is the student athlete leadership team, um, this SALT program, which just reading through what you had said about it sounds really, really interesting. Um, How did you come about that? Um, This is actually kind of timely for some things going on in the NCAA, um, at least for D3. I don't know about the rest of them is now that there's going to be some leadership training options for our coaches to work with uh, their student athletes out of season. Uh, so, you know, how'd you come up with it? You know, what, and maybe some of the things that you put into that in kind of building yeah. leaders. Yeah. Um, so being, uh, again, I was at Union Grove for seven years. So I think like my last three years, I think it's going on like four now that they've been around. Um, I wanted to do something. Um, a couple of my coaches had tried to put in a, um, try to meet as a group of just athletes in general and talk about, um, I don't know, like just general topics, like once a month or something like that about, um, you know, the importance of being an athlete on, you know, in school on campus, um, and the extra responsibility that that, you know, um, came with. Um, but it never really took off and a couple of the coaches like moved on and there just really wasn't a, uh, there was a void. Um, and, uh, I had good support from my athletic director um, and then two of my PE teachers um, who are also volleyball coaches. Um, we all kind of came together and were like, hey, let's create this group. Um, and actually, it was another, it was a basketball coach too who, who helped. So all, all four, four of us, four ladies created it, which is kind of cool. Um, and came up with their acronym, Student Athlete Leadership Team or SALT. Um, and it was just meant to kind of increase athlete support of each other on campus. So um, getting more athletes to come to each other's games and stuff. So we kind of forced that connection initially where, um, you know, uh, fall athlete team or fall teams would be paired up with fall teams. So like a cross country would go to girls volleyball game and Mm -hmm. a, um, you know, girls tennis would go to boys volleyball or something like that. Um, 
So not only be a present at the games, but also give them like goodie bags or things like that. So like a Gatorade and some sunflower seeds or something like that. Um, And so obviously everybody's motivated by food. So like that, (laughs) you know, really helped help that. Um, But then um, we also, we wanted to have representatives from each um, team. So typically team captains would come to meetings once a month and kind of um, disseminate information about what we wanted to do um, kind of as a group, as a whole. Um, we do like, we had a, it was called Bronco period. So it was a, um, kind of like a study hall kind of thing. So like once a month we would have all the athletes who wanted to, or anybody who wanted to come into, um, one of our gyms and play like dodgeball or horse or, you know, something like that. Um, but then we also, um, organized like community members to come in and speak on mental health or nutrition or, you know, other timely or relevant, um, conversation or relevant topics for um our athletes and then we did community stuff as far as like giving back so we did um went to milwaukee rescue mission to you know help with around christmas time with sorting gifts and clothes and things um went to a couple different soup kitchens uh shop with a cop in kenosha um uh painting school bathrooms and hallways with inspirational quotes um we also sent some athletes to like leadership conferences um so like Justin's did one um and i know they went to one this year but i don't remember what it was but um yeah just to kind of get athletes involved um not only with you know each other's like lives and you know their each other's sports but just give back to the community as well so nice um this is a completely i wanted to want to know question but i think it'll be useful um, when it comes to like leadership resources, do you have any like go-tos, you know, books or otherwise? Just always yes. curious what people find I, and how it, if I already own it or not, is always another curious one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, that, this is one of the topics that I just, I love reading about and researching just in general. Um, so any Brene Brown work, like at all, like she's okay. phenomenal. So any of her books, um, I, Personally, my favorite three are Dare to Lead, which is her newest one, um, and then Braving the Wilderness and Daring Greatly. And um, basically, her information, I mean, it's just, are you familiar with her work a little bit? Yeah, I haven't read any of her books, but I've heard several podcast interviews with her and really resonated with some things. And then I am, it is still on my list to get her uh, Netflix special I need to yes. watch still. Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. And she, um, I mean, she talks about vulnerability and shame and like all of these kind of like heavy, dark topics. Um, But it's, I mean, it's a thread throughout, you know, throughout all of us where everybody's dealing with these kinds of things. And um, so any of her work is good. Um, Any work by Simon Sinek. um, So like he has the what's your why and start with why. Um, And then I just read a book. Um, by the author Daniel Coyle. Uh, it was called Culture Code. Um, okay. And so he talks about how, um, you know, why different, some some teams or some, you know, you know businesses or whatever, like work better together than others and why. Um, and then just, I mean, I, I love anything that has to do with psychology and sociology too. So just any of those things. Um, curating your social media to reflect that as well helps so i've had a couple couple other people um mostly marriage and family therapists um 
just marriage and family therapists, I guess, around the country um, who have some good work out there. And so I just follow, follow them as well. So Awesome. Yeah. Those are the ones that I will now add to the reading list. Perfect. <laughs> Um, kind of going back to the connection, uh, with student athletes, especially in the high school level, you know, people ask me, you know, if I would ever go down to high school and I say, I don't know, I would, I might struggle with it. I like the D3 college world cause they're technically adults by 18 now. Um, so you can seemingly have a few more real conversations in terms of that. They, you know, there's a different level of responsibility in their world. So I, I don't know how I would do with high schoolers, but I commend everybody who works with them. Um, how do you establish connections with that group, especially because it can be a time where rebellion is key or, you know, it is a hard time. I reflect back and I thought my life was a whole lot harder than it probably was. Um, yeah. I see that now, but definitely did not then. Um, I always refer to it affectionately as my typical teenage angst as I like to um, yeah. refer to it. But how, how you, do you go about establishing those connections? Um, I think like to your point, just like how you said too. first, just recognizing in general that high school is tough, right? So there's so there's in general, like, you know, you're going through a lot of emotional changes, hormonal changes, um, a lot of stuff socially, academically, there's just all these challenges that like, are all kind of coming on at the same time, right? So there's and recognizing that there's a lot of pressures that are put on them by parents, by teachers, um, by themselves, you know, either comparing themselves to other classmates or to stuff on social media now, because that's a whole another thing that mm-hmm. you and I didn't have to deal with when we were in high school. Right. Um, Facebook, when it was, it was still a .edu address, that's yes. <laughs> I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, which is why I don't invest because I was wrong. Yeah, I my first uh, social media was MySpace, so that's, that's yeah. What I had I one of those. It probably still exists after, after high school. Yes, yeah. somewhere I think mine does too. Yeah, couldn't couldn't yeah. tell you what what my username was, but Ooh. yeah, no, not at all. Which is fine. Just we'll bury that for a while. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, but like, um, the important thing I think though is that I think there's starting to be a a, a change in um the way people talk about social media and talk about comparisons and like uh, we're starting to recognize that, yeah, everything that is put out there is not accurate. And it's, you know, it's a, um, a highlight reel, you know, instead of like the nitty gritty day to day stuff. Um, and I think a lot of the athletes that I'm talking to now, I think start are realizing that now. So it's a little bit easier to kind of break those walls down and stuff. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, just recognizing that in general, that it is tough. Right. So that's the first thing. Um, but I have like, I have so many <laughs> different examples of kind of how I, um, uh, how I bridge that connection or create that connection. Um, so just in general, starting with a friendly athletic training room environment, you know, decorate it the way that you want to decorate it, throw Christmas lights on there, play music. Like, um, if you can do different, um, uh, you know, different, like softer, like uplighting, you know, versus like the kind of wherever you are, if you're in a closet or if you're, you know, have the harsh fluorescent lights above you, um, make it your own, um, and, you know, make it reflect the colors of your school or the mascot or whatever it is. Um, I created a, um, the, at Union Grove, our, our mascot was Broncos. So I created a busted Broncos injury wall. Um, so I had, and that was, and again, that's a talking point, right? So Mm -hmm. what does that look like? What does that look like? Who's that from? What is that? You know? 
Um, and again, obviously I'm not going to, you know, I run out onto the you know football field and there's a broken leg. I'm not going to say, Hey, can I take your picture? You know, right. <laughs> you know <laughs> use that discretion. But, um, that's a, that was a huge, um, a huge talking point. And again, kind of creates that, that connection a little bit more. Um, I stole this idea from, um, another uh, athletic trainer that I found on the secondary school's um, athletic training Facebook page. Um, his name is Jerome Mogul, but he made a, um, a wall um, like collage of um, like action shots of all of his athletes. And um, mm -hmm. on the top of it, he put like, he cut out letters that said you matter. And like the AT was like the AT logo. Yep. Um, and so I put, yeah. So I put, um, we have a, a awesome photographer at um, Piner High School. Um, her name is Mindy, and she she comes. She's just volunteer. She comes and she takes pictures of of our athletes during games and stuff. And um, I asked if I could use some of those photos for that. So I have that in my athletic training room, um, just the action shot. So again, the, another talking point, right? Um, you know, having an equality sign, an LGBTQ safe space, you know, thing on your um, on your window or on your door. Um, you know, also creates that inclusion, um, environment. Um, and then, uh, you know, having, having a whiteboard on your, you know, in your room with, you know, inspirational quotes or just, I call my connection questions. So, um, I'm going to ask you this, um, cause that's, that's a typical one that I would have. Um, so if what movie or TV series could you watch over and over again without getting tired? So you're asking me? I'm asking you. Ah, oh, crap. There could be quite a few of those. Um, thoroughly enjoy the TV series Suits. Suits. Okay. All right. All right. I would, for me, I'd have to say it'd probably have to be The Office. I, I've thought about getting into that one. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I have a lot of free time right now, so that might be true. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Instead yes. of rewatching multiple ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I've seen like poll poll questions too. So like if any anytime any athlete comes in, they have to answer this question, and it's just like a tally. So you've seen that okay. at like coffee shops or whatever, like the tip jars, like each yeah, yeah. or. Um. So for this one, cake or pie? Would you say? Oh man! As long if cheesecake counts as cake, then I'll say cake. Okay. Okay. Unless I mean, it, I unless that's that. a pie. I was gonna say I would say that might be a pie, but only because well, then, it's then pie it's definitely tin. pie because I'll take yeah. pumpkin in that mix too. So okay, okay, I'd have to go with cake. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. oh yeah, yeah. I don't I haven't met many cakes I don't like either, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then I mean, other than that, like having a social media presence again, if your workplace rules allow. Um, at my uh, previous job, because I was employed by a hospital, like I couldn't, we couldn't there was just really strict rules around mm -hmm. um, a social media presence. So, um, but here, you know, it's not, it's a little less than that. So I have, um, uh, Piner sports med on Twitter and um, Instagram. And so with that, you know, posting funny memes, um, athlete shout outs, just some, I did some Instagram stories for like a day in the life kind of thing, um, back in fall where, you know, I went through my day on a, a football game day, like an away game, you know, okay. so what I'd have to prep for and, you know, what my sideline view looked like and like a tally of, you know, I, I taped five wrists 
joints and three ankles. And I did an injury eval and I had to send a kid to, you know, a, a, like one kid I had to send to a hospital, you know, it's so like a tally at the end and yep. just kind of create that interaction and stuff. So, um, yeah, those are nice. a lot of, a lot of ideas that you can implement really easy. So. So this is one, and I don't, I don't know that I've seen the debate you know, on Twitter necessarily, but I, I could see where some people would come with it just based on some of the conversations I'm going is, you know, balancing this role of, you know, connecting with student athletes or patients or however we want to define them, you know, with your quote unquote, just job as a medical provider. And I don't know that it's this, but I, I always go back to like, Charles Barkley, who was an NBA basketball player, is like, I don't get paid to be a role model. Like, that's not my job. My job is to play basketball. But yet he's so famous that, you know, it was kind of like the responsibility that came along with it. Um, that So that being said, kind of the question, I guess, is, you know, for the potentially, is this just really kind of part of what we sign up for, especially if you're wanting to work in a high school or a collegiate setting, um, and just kind of general thoughts on that? In my opinion, I would say yes. Like I, depending on the, the, um, the setting that you're in, but especially if you're working with minors or if you're working with young adults, like in the collegiate setting, um, you, do, you do have that responsibility. I feel like to, to, you know, be, you know, be, even if it is just being a professional, you know, just treating them with respect and, you know, t- treating them with the, the, you know, I'm going to do everything I can kind of thing to, um, you know, get you back on, you know, get you back to play or get you to the, you know, proper referral networks that you need or whatever that is. I, I think that's incredibly important. And um, so for me, I don't, it's just, it's always in the back of my head. And I feel like it's more enjoyable for me when I have that connection to, to be able to, to treat, um, to see those athletes and treat them you know, every day or even just seeing them on campus. And, you know, if I don't create that connection, it's like, I don't show myself as a human and I don't see them as a, as a human or that, the you know, there's that common denominator and it just, yeah, it just makes it so much more enjoyable. So even if it's an unwritten rule of the job, it's just that it's just, it is what it is. It goes hand in hand. Um, and I feel like the only, the only time that, um, I feel like there needed like a ba- like a balance or whatever. Or if I feel like I needed a little extra support was with um, I had two or three athletes who had a pretty significant mental health crisis, and I was mm-hmm. like their first point of contact. Um, so that um, thankfully all of them um, had favorable outcomes, and you know they're all they're all fine and everything like that. But um, I had to debrief with, you know, a trusted, either a mentor or, um, another coach or something like that, who was involved with the, that incident. Um, and that's another reason why I got involved with AT's care as well. I did the, the group, um, training two years ago at GLADA. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm part of, I'm part of that team now, um, or that network. Um, just cause I, you know, I've been through it before. And so I get, you know, I, I get the need for it as well. So, yeah. Um, one other, and so, so kind of totally switching gears now, but uh, one that you kind of mentioned as an area of interest, um, we were fortunate enough to start working with a former alum for us who's doing his PhD at Missouri, I believe, about, you know, post-injury 
and what that means to the athlete. And he was working on developing kind of a guidebook um, of the different kind of phases of it. And we were uh, helping him gather some input from athletes that got hurt um, on the acute end. But what role have you taken or found, and also the things that you found successful in helping an athlete maintain their identity after an injury? So first off, I'm going to need to, to get that, get my hands on that research or whatever. If you can pour that onto me eventually. I will, I've got the first part of it that he shared back to us hidden somewhere. I will dig it up and pass it along. Wait. Um, yeah. So I, I first thought about this, um, probably two or three years ago now, um, which should have probably happened sooner, but I guess I'm glad it happened regardless. Right. Um, rehabbing two different athletes, um, one for an ACL injury, um, who's actually in that, um, Chelsea's children um, chat now. Um, and then another girl who had a really significant, um, lateral ankle sprain, um, that took her probably four or five or six weeks out of her basketball season. Um, and both are high level athletes, both use their sport as an outlet for like life stressors and, um, <clears throat> when that was taken away from them, it was just a huge blow, obviously. Um, so just generally first thing I used, like I talked about a little bit earlier was using rehab, um, as a way to stay competitive. Um, so either competing with me or competing with an athlete, competing with themselves, either with like timing or reps or whatever mm-hmm. they could get, um, uh, created like these little finishers, um, at the end of rehab for like a little, little cardio or a little strength training, um, without the involved body parts. Um, and then if possible, always trying to do rehab within the site of their team or with, within the site of the coach, at least, you know, if not every day, at least, you know, a couple of days a week. Um, because that would, you know, keep not only the athlete in that team mindset a little bit, or at least around the team, but it would let the coach know that, Hey, this kid isn't just sitting in my, you know, athletic training room with, you know, in an ice bucket, which is a whole nother story that we could talk about later too. Right? Fair, fair. Um, but yeah, so it's just, they're not, they're still involved. They're still doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're still an athlete. Right. Um, and then I think combining the connection questions, um, that I, you know, have on my whiteboard or whatever with that competitive atmosphere seemed to help just a little bit, at least initially, um, but just in general, always holding space for, for them to, you know, break down, to vent, to be pissed, to whatever they need to do, just to, just to let them speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, validating their feelings, telling them there's no right, right or wrong way, um, to feel. And then also just letting them know that, yeah, you're grieving. Like you're, this is, this is a grieving process. You know, you lost something, you lost a slice of your, um, of your identity. Um, but then also trying to, to pick out from them, like, what else do you like to do? Like, what else piques your interest? Um, you know, what are your hobbies or what, what other things? Like, if you could do anything, what would you, you know, what would you do? Or what would you look into? Um, and one of the things that I did, I'm trying to do, um, is come up with a, um, an ACL recovery club. <laughs> okay. So, um, it's still in like it's way early stages and stuff, but um, one of the years that I was at Union Grove, I had like four or five different ACL tears in one year, which is just okay. to me is kind of crazy. Because um, again, it comes and goes in cycles and stuff, but this sure. year was was busy. 
Um, and so the more that I was dealing with, with athletes in just different stages of their, um, their recovery process, um, I was kind of organically starting to like, Oh, you should talk to this person because they, you know, they had a really terrible two days post-op and, you know, this might be a way to kind of connect and, mm-hmm. um, kind of talk about that. And, um, I don't know, another thing they could connect with is just, you know, their expectations for surgery, if they're super wound up about it or what helped, you know, what helped them going into surgery, um, any of the mental blocks they might've had. Um, so if anybody's listening and, uh, they have, they've started something like this, like, let me know, cause I would love to, you know, to implement, um, some of those ideas. Um, and then another, uh, website that really helped me is called sidelinedusa.org. Um, and it's a, uh, organization that helps athletes who are either have, you know, dealing with season ending or career ending injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a lot of really good articles about, um, you know, the psychology of injury and recovery and like tips and tricks and tools and things that, you know, care providers can use and parents and all that stuff. So that's a really, really good resource. Yeah, I had never heard of that before, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, we were fortunate enough to hire a new staff member last year um, that just is everything mental health. It's what she finds fascinating and um, whatnot. So it, I, I will also share it with her as she will, Sweet. I think, go through that thing, uh, which will be great. Yeah. Um, anything else within this whole context that we didn't cover that you wanted to? Um, I don't think so. I think that, again, hopefully everybody can hear and see that I love this topic and, um, I don't know. I love, I love this role, um, as an athletic trainer in general. And it's just, it's a huge passion of mine. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I went into this, um, into this job. And, you know, every time that I have a, crappy day or a down day. And, you know, I, I have a, um, like my why box, um, which is another thing that, um, you know, I would, I would encourage athletic trainers or just even new or old or whatever to, to create and, and collect is like any sort of, um, you know, news, uh, or positive, um, feedback from coaches, from athletes, you know, anything like that. So if you're having a crappy day, like look back and say, Oh yeah, I forgot two years ago. Like, you know, she really helped me or I really helped her through this. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's just, you know, it's a good, good resource to have. So. I like that one. Um, with that onto the AT chat questions. Uh, so the first one is, you know, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Um, well, first off, just because I'm in California, <laughs> getting licensure finally for this state. I just, it's such a, it's just so mind boggling. I, you know, I practiced in two different states before this one and we both obviously, you know, California being the only one without licensure. Um, it's just wild to see the um the differences i mean there's small pockets in california that are doing really really well like la area san francisco um sonoma county for you know a little bit where we are um there's again just pockets but 
Um, it's not as widespread or as common um, as like, again, where I used to be back in Southeastern Wisconsin, every school in our conference had an athletic trainer. But here um, we have 12 schools in our conference, they call it leagues out here. Only five have athletic trainers, full-time certified ATs um, on site and um, on staff. And um, that's only in our district. So of all other schools around this area don't have athletic trainers and not even outreach, nothing. Um, so it's just, it's wild to, you know, show up to a football game on Friday nights and we're covering both. We're, we're, we have to take care of both, both teams, both sides. And if we're at a, a home or an away game, um, my first time out here, I, they had a, a trainer, um, air quotes, and he called himself a, a trainer and, um, he was there for the JV game and, um, was at a half first half of varsity and then left. He came up to me at halftime and was like, Hey, I hope you don't mind. Um, you're going to be the only one here. So it's just, it was wild to me. So, um, working, um, reading up and, and researching just whatever we can do to, again, pass this legislation. And it, it seemed like it was, it had some momentum. We have a new governor out here who has young kids and, you know, kind of hopefully would see the importance of that. Um, but now with the, you know, COVID-19 and coronavirus um, pandemic, not sure where that, that bill is going to end up. Um, but I don't know, I'm still, I've always been class half full. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully soon we'll get that. Um, and then hopefully with that, um, just increased um, athletic trainers at the secondary site would be fantastic. Absolutely. Um, what is the next one? Uh, what advice uh, would you give to yourself if you could go back um, as a young athletic trainer, if you want to set where that was, whether it's right out of undergrad or in the process of grad school, uh, but if you could go back, what would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself it'd be like first, first or second year at Union Grove. So, you know, three, maybe two years into my, into my practice. Um, don't worry about trying to please everybody with your, <laughs> your decision-making, mm -hmm. um, because you won't like you will not. And you're going to end up, especially working at the secondary setting, you're going to end up pissing off a parent or a coach or an athlete even. And, um, connecting that with your gut instinct, like trust your gut. And if your gut is telling you, Hey, something doesn't feel right. Listen to it. Cause most likely it's true. And even if it's not like you're still your overarching goal as an athletic trainer is the health and safety and well-being of the athletes or patients that you're taking care of. Right. And if you're trying to compromise that because you, you know, don't want to anger a coach who, you know, you have to pull a, you know, a running back and, you know, in the, in a homecoming game where it's super close, like, you know, and this kid ends up getting hurt more like that's on you. That's not on the coach. So trust your gut. Makes sense. Good advice. Um, I definitely put myself through that <laughs> ringer. Um, yeah. Grad school uh, was a big learning curve. Uh, much better from those times. 
What has been uh, one of the most influential resources that you have come across in your career? Um, I have two. First is just, again, there's blessings and curses with social media, but uh, um, two Facebook groups, uh, the Secondary School Athletic Trainers Group and the Women in Athletic Training Group on Facebook have been wonderful. Um, I know that... um, you have to take everything that is said on, I don't know, especially with a couple of those groups with a grain of salt. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously you're going to have different, um, differing opinions and, you know, like you should always wear khakis that, you know, when you're working and you can't wear jeans and you can't like that stupid, whatever. And I think (laughs) I've heard it. Yeah. Oh God. And like, yeah. And, (laughs) and you know, wearing hats and tattoos and piercings and whatever, like nobody cares. Like just do your, do your job. Like, and I mean that again, my opinion, but like it's, it, you know, you're just get, get away from that. But anyways, um, they have had, uh, I'm a, I work well in a team and like bouncing ideas off of each other. So those, those things have helped, um, tremendously. Um, and then I've had two mentors, um, uh, I'll shout them out right now, Kevin Turple and, uh, Sue Roundtree. Um, both still back in Wisconsin, but they're both athletic trainers. Sue's also a PT. Um, but did she go to Madison? She did. I, that sounded familiar. I graduated with her. No way. Oh, yep. my gosh. I'm going to have to tell her. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, we, we so graduated cool. from uh, Wisconsin in 08. Okay. To get, yeah. Wow. At least we were, we were in the same class. I don't know how our graduations lined up because I know she was went on for PT and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, man, that sounds so familiar and wonderful, but as soon as you said that, there you go. Yeah, no, that's awesome. She's like one of, she's like one of my best friends too, but yeah, she, she worked at, um, or still works at Athletico, um, and she's the, the clinic manager there, um, which is just down the street from Union Grove. And, um, we, we started a kind of a professional relationship, um, because I was sending a lot of my kids to her because, um, you know, they did awesome work and you know yep. she's she's also has an athletic training background and um but yeah and then you know kind of got closer over the years and stuff and um but yeah and then Kevin um was my co-worker at uh the hospital that we worked at and um just I wouldn't be like the clinician that I am today without both of them and just just a lot of the skills like soft skills and like you know manual therapy things and everything like that they've just been huge um in my practice. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's funny. Small world. Right. I know. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset or whatever you deem that you want to cover um, in the field of athletic training, uh, what would it be? Um, I have two again for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> first one, um, just the, a common practice of like glorifying the, like 60 day hour work weeks, whatever, whatever that is, just because that's your, that's your job. Um, and giving yourself enough time to build up the other facets of your life. So kind of like we talked about earlier with, um, you know, athletes just being athletes and not being anything else. We're not just athletic trainers, right? We are, our, our jobs don't define us. Um, and I mean, it's a huge aspect of our life and we will have busy seasons and not busy seasons and things like that. And I'm not saying to 
you know, just always work 40 hours a week and that's it. Like you, you know, you can't do that as an athletic trainer, but give yourself time to, to develop those hobbies, to develop those, the social networks and the, um, uh, just, just the, all of that stuff to, that makes you a, a better human in general. Um, by giving yourself time to explore those parts means creating boundaries, which also means saying no. And so I think that's really hard for us sometimes. And I know you touched on that, I think earlier, um, with like one of your earlier podcasts, which is just kind of a small little one, but learning how to say no and learning how to, um, you know, kind of set, set your boundaries, you know, not answering a call at 1030 at night when, you know, have them leave a voicemail and you can call them back you know, at eight thirty tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Um, just those little things like that. You'll, you'll be in the profession. I feel my, my opinion, you'll be in the profession a lot longer if you develop yourself outside of your role as an athletic trainer. Um, yeah. Agreed. I agree. Very much. agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is just the, the, the modesty mindset of like downplaying yourself and staying in the background and not wanting, you know, not wanting, or not, not necessarily not wanting any recognition because most of us always want recognition, right? Sure. We're, we're outraged when we don't get the recognition, <laughs> you know, but like finding that balance, I guess, you know, so, um, advocating for yourself, you know, you don't, don't be modest, but be humble. So modesty. There's a, a quote from Maya Angelou. So modesty is a learned affectation. You don't want modesty. You want humility. Humility comes from the inside out. And humility implies that you know who you are. You know what you were put on this earth to do. And therefore, you're going to do whatever you can to, to do that and to recognize yourself when, when you have your wins or when you put in the good work or whatever. So track your hours, track your athlete contacts, advocate for yourself, back up all of that work. Um, and if you feel like you can't talk about yourself, talk about your other fellow athletic trainers and what yep. they've done. And, you know, and hopefully that'll be like a, you know, a cyclical, cyclical thing. So. I like that one a lot, you know, having that humility and everything. Um, but still, making sure people understand what you, what you do. Um, it has been a huge focus that I've had a shift in the last couple of years. And it's been, I think much for the better and for staff and otherwise. Last question. Um, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, to me, it means just being an ally and being a team player. Um, creating that environment for athletes or patients, whoever you end up interacting with to feel comfortable sharing pieces of themselves in a place that they don't feel like they have to like wear that mask, you know, to be this tough person, to be the overachiever, to be the, you know, athlete who has all of those stats behind them and, you know, all that stuff. So um, it's been incredibly meaningful to, to create that space and everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard and validated right? That's just, we're wired, like Brene Brown says, we're wired for connection, right? Um, high schoolers are no different. Like everybody is like that. Um, and, you know, trying to create a sense of, of normalcy around all of those fears of not feeling it and not being enough, not meeting expectations, um, you know, just being, showing them that everybody's human. I'm human. Your coaches are human. And 
creating that space for them. That's what that, that's what I use, you know, as my platform of an athletic trainer. So. I like it. Um, anything else in closing? Uh, shout out to my Chelsea's children <laughs> group yeah. chat ladies. Uh, this wouldn't have happened. I don't feel like without, without that connection. So, um, and all of my athletes that I've had in my room throughout the years, um, all the talks that we've had, I feel like most of them have circled around boy relations, relationships with crushes, with their boyfriends, with girlfriends, whatever that is. Um, all of those frustrations, it's just, you inspire me to continue to be better every day. So I wouldn't be then, here without them. For sure. And then if people wanted to follow you or reach out for anything, you know, if you've got a, ACL support group that you've already started. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where would they best do that? And we'll link um, all these up. Yeah. Um, so I am on Twitter and Instagram um, with my Piners at Piner Sports Med. Um, and those are my, my work, you know, work ones. Um, but then for personal, um, I'm also at Twitter, um, on Twitter at Chelsea underscore ATC. And then on Instagram at, at barefoot Chels. Um, but personal again, if athletes try and follow me, I won't follow you until after you graduate. Sorry. That's just, a- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I roll with all my stuff too. Yep. yep. So if, I mean, if you want to reach out, if you're one of my athletes and want to reach out, um, you know, do it under Piner sports med. So. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it.